This is Recorded Future, Inside Security Intelligence. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 242 of the Recorded Future podcast. I'm Dave Bittner from the CyberWire. Joining us this week is Jason Steer, Principal Security Strategist at Recorded Future. Our conversation centers on the state of threat intelligence in a rapidly changing security environment, how organizations are adapting and evolving their threat intelligence strategies, as well as Jason Steer's outlook on some of the security challenges professionals are likely to face in the year ahead. Stay with us. So my start in in IT was um, straight from university. I finished my degree in Western, Western Australia in 1996, and I went for a work experience role with a drug manufacturing company called, called Bayer in, uh, in the summer, just of the, around the Olympics. I originally went for three months, and they ended up keeping me there for three years, and I was landed at the most incredible time where we were moving away from Novell Netware to, to transitioning to Windows 95, where NT4, TCP IP, firewalls, switches, routers, and my boss was incredibly trusting and said, you know, I want you to go with all of this. I was like, I don't know any of this. You know, where on earth am I going to get the experience for it? And he, I remember him still just saying, well, you'll learn it. You'll figure it out, we'll send you on training, and um, off you go. So that was me managing our firewalls in 1997 with literally no idea what I was doing and learnt by mistakes. And um, hmm. I, that transitioned me into leaving Hong Kong after the handover and became a security consultant for a, for a partner in the UK in 1999 when it was more you know akin to being a security uh, doorman at a nightclub than it was actually you know something associated with the internet and securing you know businesses and organizations so now i look back from you know that's 23 years ago just how much the internet has become of a sort of a daily part of our routine and how far we've come in two decades so what is your day-to-day like these days what responsibilities do you have there with recorded future I, I, I kind of feel like I've landed in a really perfect role for me because you know, 50% of my working week now is about um, applying intelligence into recorded future as, as a consumer of intelligence. And the other half is about you know, helping clients on their journeys and talking to them about you know, how we do it, what they should be mindful of and things that they're considering. So now, having worked in IT security vendor land for almost all of my career, one thing I've learned is that you know, most security vendors, unfortunately, do not practice what they preach. And uh, you know, we've seen so many of that. And um, you know, for me, this is a chance to help uh, with such a, a nascent market of threat intelligence is you know, help our organization do threat intelligence well ourselves. And then we can help our clients on their journey by, you know, articulating you know what our journey looks like and you know, what are the challenges and hurdles and things that they need to be aware of as well looking at the 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 broad ecosystem of cybersecurity and the the part that threat intelligence plays within it 
Uh, where do we find ourselves today? What, what is the state of things? And I'm thinking beyond Recorded Future itself, you know, the, the, all the, the providers of threat intelligence, where do they fit in? And, and to what degree uh, at this point in time are we meeting the need? That's a really good, really good comment. And I think, you know, my observation is that prior to COVID, threat intelligence as a requirement was still a nice to have, still very much in the middle of that nice to have stack of things that you could have in your controls. Um, but I think from COVID and everyone moving to remote working almost exclusively, that I think many organizations realized that they didn't have enough insight around you know, what were the risks outside their network anymore. And you know, I think what I saw and what I've seen with other communities that I talk with is threat intelligence became a much more important thing to give organizations insights as to know where the risks really were coming from based on assets, based on employees, on devices and other things. So, you know, whether it's Recorded Future or even Twitter and some of the great content on Twitter, I think the threat intelligence requirement has become much clearer now than it has previously over the last maybe seven or eight years. And I think customers still struggle where to start. And I think, you know, that's probably the biggest hurdle still for every organization is and where do you start your journey? Because, you know, everyone's organ everyone's requirements are somewhat different and they everyone's journey will be different as a result. How do you advise people to dial that in? How, you know, everyone needs to there's a limited amount of resources, time, money, um, expertise, all that sort of thing. Um where do they begin? How do, how do people calibrate the part that threat intelligence is going to play in their organization? Again, it really will come back to, you know, what their business priorities are and, you know, what are their biggest risks. And I think, you know, for many organizations, their whole security posture typically would revolve around risk-based decisions and, you know, security intelligence is very good at augmenting that. Um, you know, what are your biggest production systems? Where's the, how do you keep those up and running? Really simple things. Um, but, you know, I think... What what I, I spend to spend a lot of time now on is organizations trying to move to an intelligence-led sort of strategy where intelligence informs them of their external risks. And then you start to prioritize around you know, what those perceived risks from criminal cyber attackers are rather than from standards or um, other legislative frameworks that you may have to abide by as well. Hmm. But it all fits in with that. I mean, those those other things don't go away. It's uh, you know th these are this is balanced scales, right? They are, and they, they don't go away. But I think the trouble is we, we see that organisations focus on achieving the standard without actually having good security controls, processes, you know, systems in place. And it's not about ticking the box. It's about managing the risk effectively. And you know, intelligence is often you know here's the reality of what's going on. You know, that mythical or, or theoretical tick box in the spreadsheet doesn't reflect what the risk is to the organization right now. And it's you know, how do you balance that with you know, intelligence that informs you know, what are your proper risks right now? Where do you suppose we're headed with threat intelligence? As, as we look toward the next year and beyond, where are the places that it can go? What, what do you see as being the evolution of how it's going to be a part of people's defensive strategies? So 
that, that's actually changed over the last couple of years, Dave. Um, they, where I thought customers would want to start their intelligence journey would be on really simple things, you know, from doing trade shows for a long period of time. People would come up and say, well, tell me about who's talking about my organization on the dark web. Who's, who's generating typo squat domains against my brands? You know, who's talking about our CEO or our products on dark web channels? And I thought that was the obvious place to start the journey. But they, one, one thing I've realized is actually that's not the biggest pain point for most organizations of any maturity anymore. It's in the security operation center that, that the data has to be integrated into. If we can enable, you know, if we, actually I'll step back. If you look at the biggest problems we have as in every organization, it's too much event information, not enough analysts who can make enough good decisions with confidence repeatedly. So we have to have intelligence that can enrich, can help those junior very new people make confident decisions that, that don't bring any risk. And hey, customers and organizations have spent billions and billions of dollars on SIM and SOAR tools and ticketing tools. Intelligence need to be in, needs to be in there first so that stakeholders, other people can make good decisions as well. For organizations to get investment out of those tools, not another dashboard, another, not another reporting dashboard that you have to spend yet more time out of. I want to pivot a bit and touch on some of the uh, the trends that I think we're seeing in this new year, some of the the threats and challenges that folks are facing and, and get your take on them. Let's start with the, the biggie, I think, which, of course, is ransomware, um, making the headlines uh, around the globe. Um, where do you think we're heading with this? Any, any optimism that we're going to uh, gain any ground against the, the ransomware operators? Yeah, the R word. Um such a big conversation <laughs> point and I've actually been told told off by some people for talking about it with a oh and I suppose we should talk about ransomware because you know it gets rather stale and boring but it's a critical risk for every business uh, of every type you know probably my look forward statement is that you know, we've just seen another group of arrests in the Ukraine this week another ransomware group taken out with law enforcement action continuing and hopefully continuing to be aggressive, now, I think we're just going to see more and more people come out of the shadows and fill the vacuum. And my biggest concern is that we don't get no top-tier criminals. We start to get some rather more shady people coming in who maybe have even less morals and scruples about who they target and possibly some more unexpected outcomes from organizations impacted that and then we see with Conti and some other groups, they actually had some rules of engagement. Not many, very limited, but you know, my fear is that we get into people who have even less morals and uh, unexpected outcomes of ransomware on other key infrastructure systems that we've seen in the United States in the second half of last year. Yeah, that's an interesting insight. I mean, it's almost to be careful what you ask for, you know, that... Uh, <laughs> There's a certain degree, I suppose, of honor among thieves right now, but um, that could there's there's no guarantee that, that it'll stay that way. No, and I think you know, with the way things are between Russia and the United States, I mean, if you look at the crimin criminal aspect of it, there's almost no risk of arrest unless you travel overseas to a country that has an extradition agreement with the United States, 
And the chances of yeah of it being attributed to you are very difficult as well. And the huge amount of profit that you can make potentially is life-changing. So you put all those three things together and think, hmm, the actual risk is relatively low. Well, you mentioned Russia, and, and let's talk about uh, international diplomacy. You know, we're seeing uh, the the uh, tensions between Russia and Ukraine, um, and there's fear that that could spill over into the cyber realm. Uh, indeed, we saw uh, warnings from CISA, the FBI, and NSA just this past week that... Uh, um, they're reminding folks to batten down the hatches when it comes to critical infrastructure. Um, what's your outlook there? I, I guess this comes back to you know some of the basics of cybersecurity, Dave, which is you know, just good hygiene, isn't it? Is you know, mm. asset detection, asset monitoring, vulnerability, you know, assessment, vulnerability prioritization. I know anything that's internet facing is getting a free penetration test every day anyway. So this is more about continuing to have good hygiene that enables you to have visibility and prioritize risk. It's really as simple as that. And you know, not not many organizations can maintain and keep on top of that. And that's the hard part is people and organizations get left behind and it's easy to find that the weakest entry path entry path into an organization, sadly. What about the the business itself? You know, the the cybersecurity providers of, of services. We've seen uh, acquisitions. Uh, we've seen certainly a tremendous amount of uh, investment over the past year. Um, indeed, Recorded Future made some acquisitions this year and continues to grow. Uh, is that what we're in for in the near future? Here, we're going to see continued growth in cyber. Yeah, I, I think so. I think you know with. All of the ransomware activity that's got board level, you know, engagement now. Now, I just did a board level presentation this week to a UK financial institution on the subject of ransomware is, I think, finally, you know, between Log4j and ransomware as a, as a trend, organizations are realizing that they're probably underinvested in several parts of their security investments. And, you know, it's time that 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 spend has to be, you know, reinvested to, to help them catch up and get ahead of this. So I actually think, you know, for all the bad stuff that we've had to live through over the last 12 months or more, the pennies dropping that, you know, cyber insurance programs are helpful, but you have to have a good security program in place, which needs investment, it needs people, it needs training, and it needs constant reviewing and, you know, um, and managing. Are you optimistic that uh, we're heading towards anything resembling equilibrium? Do you, do you suppose, uh, I don't know, any of the volatility is going to, to settle down over the next few years? I think that really depends, maybe even on your industry. I, I don't think it will. I just think that attackers have such opportunities every single day, every single week to stay ahead that I think the balance is always going to be in favor of the attacker, um, you know, with, particularly with nation states, Russia, China, Iran. See, the United States just published a report on Iran, muddy water just today or yesterday, I believe, uh, I think, which I was reading today is, yeah, I think it's always going to be in balance of the attacker. I don't see that changing. I think that's down to every organization individually to have to take responsibility, unfortunately. 
What motivates you? You know, when as you start your day and and、uh, you face the challenges ahead, and、um, you know, it's not always good news in this industry. What keeps you going、uh, with a positive attitude as you head to work every day? Several things. You know, I think what keeps me hopeful is that you know we can't solve every problem, but we can help people solve the biggest problems. We have to make the internet safer, and I think for me that's the biggest part. Is you know whether it's my kids at home, whether it's my parents, you know, we can all play our small part to make the internet a better place every day. And you know, I'd like to feel that that's what I do with the organisations I get to talk to and work with and help. That you know, we're helping convey them to them risk concerns and things that that maybe they should be considering. That's going to help their organisation be better as well. I, I think I'd shoot myself. I don't think I could do this job in this industry if I, if I wasn't an optimist. Our thanks to Recorded Futures' Jason Steer for joining us. A quick program note: This is the final episode of this incarnation of the Recorded Future podcast. Watch this space in your podcast feed for a new show coming from the team at The Record by Recorded Future. The show is titled "Click Here" and it's hosted by Dina Temple Raston. We'll share a sneak preview of the show at the end of today's episode. I want to thank everyone who has had a hand in producing this show over the past five years. It's been my pleasure and privilege to serve as host, and I'm extraordinarily proud of what we've been able to share with you. I hope you'll join me in supporting what's coming next from Dina Temple Raston and her team as they take what we've started here to the next level. Stay tuned. Don't forget to sign up for the Recorded Futures Cyber Daily email, where every day you'll receive the top results for trending technical indicators that are crossing the web. Cyber news, targeted industries, threat actors, exploited vulnerabilities, malware, suspicious IP addresses, and much more. You can find that at recordedfuture.com/intel. We hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll subscribe and help spread the word among your colleagues and online. The Recorded Future podcast production team includes coordinating producer Caitlin Mattingly. The show is produced by the CyberWire with executive editor Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. It seems like we hear about new cyber attacks almost every single day. Update now on the Colonial Pipeline ransomware attack. Malicious cyber actors are targeting the healthcare and public health sector with trickbot. And you've probably noticed this isn't just about attacking big corporations anymore. It's about hacking you. You don't really know how prepared you are until it happens. I'm Dina Temple Raston, and you found Click Here, a new podcast about all things cyber and intelligence. You may know me from NPR, where I covered terrorism for more than a decade. But in the past couple of years, I've been digging into something else—the world of cyber—and I'm trying to answer two seemingly simple questions: Who are these cyber criminals, and why do these attacks keep happening? So they're kind of like contract ransomware guys. Yes, they call them cyber mercenaries. We shouldn't have ever let it get to this point because now you're you're looking, and that billion-dollar number comes up. Ransomware, disinformation campaigns, foreign adversaries will help make sense of them all. Do you think you guys are ready for the next ransomware attack? Oh, I never want to jinx myself with that. We'll introduce you to the people who are actually shaping the cyber world—the villains, the heroes, 
and all those hackers who fall somewhere in between. They pulled out a badge, and he introduced himself as FBI. And at that point, I was just like, holy shit. Click here, coming in February, wherever you get your podcasts.